You are listening to the Point Harbor Church Podcast. Experience a place where you can grow in your faith, connect with others, and discover the story God has for your life. For more resources, visit us online at pointharbor.com. Have a seat, have a seat. Bibles. Turn your Bibles to Acts 5. If you're new here, we're in a uh, series through the book of Acts uh, called A Church on Fire. And uh, we're in Acts 5, uh, verse 17. Now, if you don't have a Bible, you're like, oh, no, I don't have a Bible. Uh, We have blue Bibles in the seat racks uh, somewhere close to you. Grab that. That is our gift to you. And uh, put your name in it. Bring it back next Sunday. Um, Now, if you uh, want to just back, back, back. Right here. See that? There you go. Gracias, mi amigo. I'm just fluent. <laughs> All right, thank you guys. Um, now, I don't know how many of you watch a lot of guy TV. And by guy TV, I don't mean the Hallmark Channel. All right? Now, don't raise your hands, but some of you guys, you watch the Hallmark Channel because mama wants you to watch. And nothing wrong with that. All right? Nothing wrong with that. We ain't judging you. Just don't raise your hand or we'll judge you. But I'm talking guy TV, you know, and, and you see a lot of beatdowns. Um, and, and by guy TV, I'm not really even talking about MMA. I'm talking about uh, shows like Reacher and The Terminal List and stuff like that. You know, a lot, of, a lot of folks getting beat down. And all I can say, you know, without hurting your feelings and getting a lot of emails this week, is that those fight scenes are not realistic, Okay, at least amongst us non-spec ops types, at least in my limited experience. And you're like, well, what kind of experience, you know, did you have, John? Did you do MMA back in the day? No, my fights were in other establishments. <laughs> and my, <laughs> my win-loss record is not something that I would face about either. Uh, the reason my glasses don't fit real well is because my nose, people like to hit my nose for some reason. So... Uh, But the message today from Scripture is about 12 dudes, the apostles, getting beat up, uh, but not getting beaten down. They got beaten up, but not beaten down. And that's the title of the message, beaten up, but not beaten down. And today in our text, folks are getting, you know, getting the beat down. They're getting the beat up, but they're not getting the beat down, at least not the, the final beat down. And so we're looking at not just a story from Scripture today, but this is for you. Well, John Wides, how is it for me? Because if you're God's child, Satan already has a personal beating with your name all over it. Some of you are in the middle of it, aren't you? Some of you just went through it. Some of you are going to go into it, and you're like, oh, man, I don't know what's coming down the road. But he, he wants to beat you up, which he hopes will turn into a beat down in your life. But we want you to be like the apostles, beaten up, yeah, we're going to get beaten up, but not beaten down. So now your Bibles, hopefully you're at Acts five seventeen. If you're there, say I'm there. Yeah. All right. So we pick it up in verse 17. This is after Ananias and Sapphira. You remember that? You know, they lied to God about their giving and God killed them in church. So uh, that all happened. But then, you know, uh, they got right and then there's more revival happening. People are being reached for Christ. But, and it's, there's always that transitional but, the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, 
They arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors, this is a miracle, and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. If you write in your Bible, you should circle go and stand and speak because it's reiterated. And then when they heard this, they entered the temple. So they left like, whoa, and they get out, they do a jailbreak. And they entered the temple at daybreak, like <laughs> right when the sun's coming up, and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, all the muckety-mucks, sent to the prison to have them brought. Because they're like, oh, we're going to judge these guys. But when the officers came, they did not find them in prison. So they returned and reported, hey, we found the prison door uh, securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened it, we found no one inside. What in the world? Now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And then someone came and told them, hey, look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. And the captain, of the, uh, the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, because they were afraid of being stoned by the people. Because now the people are really, you know, like, wow, these people, I think they're of God. And when they brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned him, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. And that name is the name of Jesus. Jesus. Yet here you filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and <coughs> you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. You ought to underline that, double underline that. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed. I mean, he just gets in their grill. By hanging him on a tree, God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel, forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. He's, he's basically saying, y'all don't have the Holy Spirit because <laughs> you're not obeying God, not trusting Jesus. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. <clears throat> but a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel a teacher of the law, and we'll see him later, he uh, was Paul's mentor, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. So they put them outside. And he said to the council, men of Israel, take care what you're about to do with these men. For before, and he uses a couple of illustrations, these days Thutis rose up. He claimed to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, though, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. In other words, yeah, we had this guy, kind of like this Jesus guy, and we killed him, too, and then it all just kind of went to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean, this is not Judas, you know, the betrayer, but a different Judas, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He, too, perished, and then all who followed him were scattered. So... In the present case, I'll tell you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. And he says something interesting here. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it'll fail. But if it is of who? God, you won't be able to overthrow them. And you might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice. And, and you just think they'd let him go. When they had called the apostles, they beat them and, and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then the apostles left the presence. This is the 12. This is, this is the 11. Remember Judas, he killed himself. And then they had a replacement, Matthias. That's like the first thing they did as a church. All right, so, he's, so he got a, a privilege of being a new apostle and getting the beat down. And uh, so then they left the presence of the council. Look at this, you have to underline this. Rejoicing, rejoicing 
rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. That is so counterintuitive to American Christianity. So counterintuitive to our hearts, our fallen hearts. And then here's the end result. Every day in the temple and from house to house. So they were in the temple, big worship meeting. And from house to house, small groups, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is who? Is Jesus. Now, somebody says, okay, John, all right. Beat down, beat up, whatever. What's the difference between being beaten up and being beaten down? Well, when you're beat up, you're still able to get up. All right, you might be beat up, you might fall, but you're able to get up. When you're beaten down, you're down. You're down for the count, can't move, probably knocked out, totally out of the fight. And Paul has it this way, I love this, when he's talking about what we go through as Christians. We are afflicted, oh, I don't wanna be afflicted, in every way, but not what? Not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to what? Despair, persecuted, but not forsaken. Talk to me, talk to me. Struck down, but not, what? Destroyed. Not destroyed. So Paul said, man, we've been through it. We go through it. You're like, well, John, I'm a peace lover, man. You know, make love, not war. I stay away from fights. Dude, do that. You're in a fight. You're in a fight. Moreover, you're in a war. You're in a war. Some of you don't get that. Some of you think, you know, well, I'm just neutral. I'm just, you know, I'm just minding my own business. No, no, no. If you've trusted Christ, it, 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 there's only two sides, Satan's side, God's side. And before, you were on Satan's side. You didn't know it. You weren't, you know, sacrificing kittens out in the woods or something probably. But you were on Satan's team. And then when God drew you to himself, now you have been conscripted by God. You, there's no neutrality. You're either on God's, in God's army or in Satan's army. And some of you have never gotten that. And it, you're in a fight. You're in a war. Every single one of us is living in the middle of a spiritual battlefield. Somebody like, John, I don't know why I'm going through so much stuff. Man, I'm going through all this stuff in my life. I've had all these things exploding all over. Well, no kidding. You're in a battle. You will be till you die. Cool thing is Jesus is one, right? But we are just doing the rear guard action, but we are in a battle. Say, I'm in a battle. I'm in a battle. So don't be surprised. In First Peter, he says, why are you surprised? But with all the fiery trials that are coming your way, I mean, you're God's child. You've got an enemy. His name is Satan, and he is going to attack you. Now, there's a way to armor up, Ephesians 6. We're going to have a series on that, hopefully uh, in a few months, and we'll talk about that. But here, matter of fact, here is Ephesians 6, just a little taste of it. Put on the whole armor of God. How much armor? The whole armor of God. Some of you got a little bit of the armor on. But then you're wondering, why, why am I taking the arrows? Because you don't have the whole armor of God. Why? Why? That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Some of you think, oh man, I tell you what, it's that person, it's this person, it's that politician. We wrestle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Satan and his gang. That's where the fight really is. That's where the fight is coming from. That's where the arrows are coming from. But some of us, we're like that. I like history. It, one of the first battles of, of uh, at least local battles of the Civil War was, was uh, called the Battle of Manassas or the Battle of Bull Run. And it was not too far out of uh, D.C. 
And so all the muckety-mucks, they were excited. Oh, we're going to whip these rebels. We're going to whip them good. And so they all went out, all the senators, the senator wives, all the big important bankers, and they, and they went out in their carriages to where this battle was going to take place. Everybody knew about it. Forces were assembling, and they're just going to, and they brought their, their opera glasses, you know, to watch and picnic baskets. They ended up calling it the picnic battle because of this. All these folks like, oh, it's going to be exciting. And all of a sudden, <laughs> cannonballs started blowing up around them. And they're like, oh, no, what's the matter? What's the matter? You're in the middle of the battlefield. That is some of us. We just say like, something blows up in our life. We're like, oh, what happened? What happened? You're, in, you're living in the middle of a battlefield. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. And so that is what's happened in your life. You're living in a war zone. There are no bystanders in this battle zone. There are no bystanders, none at all, either on God's side or on Satan's side, but it is a war zone, and it has been since the fall in the Garden of Eden. And in our text, these beat-up guys are learning hard-earned battle truths. Well, battle truths like what exactly, John? Three points I've got for you today. Battle truth number one, use your freedom to free some. Use your freedom to free some. I love this in this passage. As I'm studying this, that just jumped out at me. They were thrown in the jailhouse. You know the old, old song, he's in the jailhouse now. He's in the jailhouse now. That's where they were. And, and, and Jesus was arrested for doing and saying exactly the same things that they were doing and saying. Jesus wasn't finally freed. He was marched out to Golgotha, nailed to a cross, executed. These dudes are locked away by the same authorities, probably in the same jail with the same intentions, but there's a different outcome. In verse 19, look in your Bibles there, during the night, an angel of the Lord, poof, opened the prison doors and brought them out. And he said three things, go, all right? Like, like, like Jesus said, go into all the world. Stand in the temple, the same place you got arrested before, and speak to the people all the words of this life. That's what you're to do. And when they heard this, they didn't go, oh man, I, I'm headed out of town. No, they, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. They obeyed. Now that's instead of hightailing out of Dodge, they said, oh, hallelujah. Man, God has miraculously freed us. He's freed us to free some, to free people, give them all the words of this life. They, these dudes who before were cowering, you know, in the upper room, scared to death after Jesus died, before the Holy Spirit came and filled them all, now they've got amazing boldness. And that mentality, that courage, was something that the enemies of Christ just couldn't understand, blew them away. In verse 22, when the officers came, <coughs> excuse me, and, and they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and said, hey, we found the prison securely locked, guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Man, we don't know what's going on. <clears throat> now, when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them wondering what this would come to. And then someone goes, hey dudes, what in the world? These dudes that you put in prison, they're back doing the same thing that got them in trouble, standing in the temple and teaching the people. They couldn't stink and believe it. Couldn't believe their audacity. Couldn't believe their boldness. Somehow they'd done a jailbreak, but instead of doing a runner, heading for the border, you know, flying the coop, shaking a leg, grabbing a train, they, they were back at that exact place doing that exact thing that got them arrested in the first place. What were they doing? 
they were using their current freedom to free some. You say, that's cool. That is cool. How about you today? Got some freedom? How are you doing? Trying to free some. Some folks who are in bondage to Satan. Some folks who you say you love who are on their way to hell. And you haven't done squat about it. How about us? There will be, a, I believe, the way things are going, I believe, not trying to be a prophet, that there will come a day when we'll be driven underground, when we'll really face real persecution. I believe that. In America, yeah. And unless we get to it now, unless we use the freedom that we have now, we will long for these good old days when we had the freedom to go and stand and speak. You're like, well, John, I know our freedoms are being chipped away, and I, I, I know I get it, but right now, we've still got some freedom that some of us, many of us, aren't using at all, aren't leveraging, and we'll wish for it. We'll wish we had it when it's gone. We got some freedom, not as much freedom as I think our Constitution calls for, but we can still meet, we can still worship, preach, stream online. What are we doing with it? What are you doing with it? Some of you aren't doing squat. Here's what we're doing at Point Harbor. Because I, 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 you know, I know this. I, I think our time is short. I think in, the, in how things have changed just over the past few years, this is not a political statement. This is just a Satan is, a, this should not surprise us. This is what Satan does. Satan tries to attack. Satan has kingdoms over kingdoms. He's got rulers over rulers that you can't see. Look in the book of Daniel. The prince of Persia wasn't a, a, a person physical. It was a satanic fallen demon who was basically over the nation of Persia to try to do Satan's will. And I believe there are multitudes, probably, over America. And they've been kind of running rampant. Yeah? They have. So what are we going to do? Well, I'm going to vote. Cool, vote. But that's... We'll look at that. <laughs> Some of us aren't doing squat, but what, what are we doing is we're, we're doing what we were called to do in the good times and hopefully in the bad, pushing forward, planting churches. You're like, John, man, you just had this emphasis, you know, for the last year or two years over, you know, planting churches and plant. Yeah, yeah, because I, 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 our time is short, I think. Preaching the gospel, baptizing believers, Training pastors, standing for biblical truth. I, folks, I'm not trying to you know, be an alarmist. I pray for revival. I pray for respite. I'm a preacher, so I gotta pray alliterated. I pray for revival, renewal, repentance, respite, reconciliation. I pray for those things when I pray for our country. I've, I asked many of you to pray with me, and some of you, I pray for you as you're praying for America. I've got a list of the folks that said, yeah, I'm gonna be praying for our country. The Bible says we're supposed to pray for our country, our leaders who we voted for and our leaders who we didn't. Now, I'm not saying that you just pray, oh God, you know, I, I pray God, you know, where their evil confound them. And you know what else I started praying not too long ago? God, give them, give them, because most politicians aren't, you know, there's powers behind it. Most of them are bought, okay? Both parties. So I pray, God, give them Daniels. Give them Daniels. Sure, I'd love a Hezekiah. I'd love a, a, you know, a, a righteous king. I'd love that. But uh, Lord, give them Daniels. Give them Josephs. Give them advisors 
who are, are willing to stand there and stand for God no matter what, no matter what the culture says, are willing to give the leaders the truth. And I believe God will do that. I hope he'll do that. I hope he gives us respite. I don't want my kids, and my, especially my grandkids, to live in a nation that's falling apart and is under the judgment of God. I don't want that. But I see that coming. So what are we going to do with the freedom we currently have? Well, John, you know, I think you're, you know, you're, you're seeing it really, you know, glass half empty. I think the government will always protect our constitutional rights. Dude, were you even awake during the last three years? They, they told churches they couldn't meet. But casinos could. Because I guess, you know, <laughs> that's essential. <laughs> liquor, liquor stores could meet. Because I guess that's essential. But man, you Christians together, I'll tell you what. You're going to spread some COVID. We got a national emergency, you see. And this is, this is not, I'm not trying to be political, I'm just saying. Because both sides did it. Governors of both sides did it. And you might say, well, John, that was necessary. Well, I, read some of the reports that are coming out. I, I don't need to get too far down the road on this, but since I started. <laughs> that six-foot rule, the lady, Burks, who thought it up, admitted. Well, it was just arbitrary. There's no science. It was just like, 10? That's a little far. Four? That's a little close. I go six. Six, okay. Some of you thought you were following science. Go to Walmart, see all the little footsies on the, on the floor. And God help you if you, you know, got off the footsie. You know what our government is after at every government? Every government? Because power corrupts and absolute power corrupts Absolutely, they're after power, no matter who they are. Man, John, you sound anti-government. I'm not anti-government. I, I pray for our government. I just know our government's fallen and basically, basically being manipulated by many times evil powers that you ought to be praying against. And many of you aren't. Many of you haven't prayed for Joe Biden. I didn't vote for him. I, I'm not, I don't care if you voted for him or not. Pray, pray that God will give him wisdom. I pray that God will Nebuchadnezzar him. What is that? Read your Bible. <laughs> God got to hold old Nebuchadnezzar's heart, right? And, and oh, oh, I just need to stop. <sighs> Trump is not Jesus either. I can't hear you. I'm deaf, so just let me preach. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Where are we at? Where are we at? Oh, now, <laughs> nefarious forces in our country are trying to classify the Bible as hate speech. They are. Why, why, why? Why do they do that, John? Because Satan's not as concerned, listen to me now, Satan's not as concerned as much with the power of your AR-15 as he is the power of Jesus' gospel. He's not. Satan knows the life-changing, soul-saving power of Jesus' gospel. More than most of us know, because he's seen it. He's lost multitudes of people to the soul-saving, life-changing gospel of Jesus. That has so much power. John, I wish you'd, I just had all the, I was asked by one of our new ladies, you know, I, I, there's a guy and he's, a, he's an atheist and I just want to know what to tell him. Give him the gospel. 
The gospel is the power of God to salvation. You aren't going to win anybody to Jesus by talking about creationism versus evolution. You're not going to argue anybody into heaven. You give them the gospel, you're just handing them a spiritual hand grenade and pulling the pin and going, here, hold on to that for a little bit. Sometimes there's a time delay fuse, sometimes not. Boom! And God does that. It's God doing it. The power of the gospel, the dunamis of the gospel, the dynamite of the gospel. We're in a spiritual war. Many of us are trying to fight with stupid weapons. We're in a spiritual war. Some of you with your kids going crazy, you're trying to fight with whatever, all these different things. You know, you're trying to out-psychological, you know, out-psych them, trying to bribe them. Why don't you try the word of God? Why don't you try the gospel? Some of your kids ain't saved. Can I say that? Some of your kids who you think, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what's the matter with little Billy? He's a pagan. Now, I was a pagan until I was 19. My parents thought I was a Christian because I've been catechized, you know, baptized, simonized. I never trusted Jesus until I was 19. That might be the problem. Now, I'm not saying, you know, because, you know, kids are going to be kids, but it might just be they don't have Jesus. They just got church. All right, moving on. Ephesians 6, 12. This is supposed to be the shorter sermon. The next one's supposed to be longer. <laughs> why is that, John? Because we've got to get you all out so we can get the other folks in here. That's why. All right. Ah, we don't wrestle against the flesh and blood, flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, cosmic powers over this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're in a spiritual war. That's Satan's MO. Try to shut down the gospel in AD 33 when he was doing, when this was written, and try to shut down the gospel in AD 2024. That's that's his MO. That's how he rolls. And the disciples of Jesus, they finally get it. And they've been left behind, as have you, enemy lines. In Ephesians, I love the book of Ephesians. He says, hey, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you once walked, following the course of this world, following. Here's what we were, who we were following, even if we, you know, would say, no, I'm not following Satan. God says, yeah, you are. The prince of the power of the air. The spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience. So fighting, now that you're on Jesus' uh, forces, is, is not optional. I either fight the battle or I forfeit to Satan. And it's all, this Christian life is all about the fight. And Paul, matter of fact, calls it the good fight over and over again. He says, fight the good fight of faith. Wage the good warfare. I have fought the good fight. You need to fight and learn how to fight. So we're in a war, the stakes are high. And that's the reason, you know, we've currently got some freedoms left, so let's, with our freedom, free some, amen? That's the reason we're all in for church planning. We've got the freedom right now. That's the reason we stepped up, you know, by faith and, and brought on Victor and Sylvia to plant El Simbador and Hampton Roads right here, meeting right now in the, in the student building. That's the reason why we hit y'all up to fund it. And many more of you need to jump on board for that because we've got some freedom right now to free some. And folks, I don't know if you've heard that folks are responding. Last week when they had their first uh, uh, service, 50 people showed up, 50 that's about the size of an average church in America. When I went to pastor in Michigan, they had 60. That included a few cats and dogs. But 50 people. And families, and families are coming from other states to be here. It just blew me away. 
And I don't have all the particulars, but there's a, a family, the Morales family. Uh, uh, they drive from New Jersey every weekend, get a hotel overnight, and are hoping to move here from New Jersey in June because they want to be a part of this. Amen? Another, the Ortiz family moving here from up, up north somewhere. Uh, to, and they're here, I think, every Sunday and plan to be here every Sunday as well. They say, man, I tell you, we don't have like anything like this around. And it's like, man, God, this is so cool to, to be a part of what you're doing, amen? These folks are sacrificing to do this. How about you? Application. Am I using all of my freedoms to free some? My freedom to, of speech? Am I using my financial freedom? So you got margin, you should have margin. We try to teach you to have margin in your finances. Why, why, John? Well, you know, so I can get out of debt? Yeah, but also so you can do, you know, some of God's work. The reason he gave you that money and that job. Some of you don't, you don't have a clue and you need, to, you need to use your freedoms, your financial freedoms to free some. But in this fight, battle truth number two, I need to righteously fight the right foe. We see that in this text as well. What do you mean fight the right foe, John? Acts 5 and verse 38. So this is Gamaliel. He's saying, hey, dudes, you know, and, and we don't know that Gamaliel, Gamaliel was a Christian. We only see him one other time mentioned in the New Testament. It never says he trusted Christ, but he's got at least a clue. He says, I, I tell you, keep away from these men. Let them alone. For if this plan or undertaking is of man, you know, it's going to fail. But if it's of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found to be opposing God. So you dudes better watch out. This is a righteous fight, a fight that our commander, the Lord Jesus Christ, has enlisted us in and for. But I need to talk about fighting, make sure I'm fighting the right foe. You're like, John, what in the world are you talking about? These guys in the high council believed they were in the right. They all believed, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the temple officials, they believed that they were pleasing God. They were on the right side, on God's side. But old Gamaliel sees something that they don't see. Wow, something's going on. I see some miracles. I see some things happening. I kind of see the fingerprints of God on this. This might be a God thing. So we better be careful. We better be careful. God might be in the middle of this. He says, but if it is of God, you won't be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Okay, John, I can see how it applies to them. You know, the Pharisees, Sadducees, those idiots. But I mean, it doesn't really apply to me. It can. Some of you here, it does. Huge. What do you mean? Some of you here, you're fighting the wrong foe. What do you mean I'm fighting the wrong foe? I'm on team Jesus. Yeah, but you're also shooting at team Jesus, some of you. Shooting out spiritual friendly fire. How? How so? What do you mean? Some of you, I'm not on Facebook, so I don't know, but I, I do know and I've, I've heard conversations. Personally attacking one of Jesus' local churches via your conversations or on your Facebook. Well, they hurt me. They did me wrong. Still Jesus' bride. Still Jesus' bride. You're basically attacking Jesus' bride. You say mean things about my wife on your Facebook, I find out about it, we're going to have us a talk. Right? I would take offense at that. Jesus takes offense at that. When, when, when you come to join Point Harbor, Pastor Johnny lays this out. Hey, and we don't drill down hard on it, but we just say, hey, if you're leaving the church and you need to get something right with that pastor or that church, th then do that first before you join up officially here. 
Because we want you to come in, you know, not with issues and problems and, and division. Well, I don't know if it's that big of a deal. Look at Matthew. This is Jesus talking. If you're offering, so he says, hey, if you're offering your gift at the altar, so we're talking about the offering, and, and there, remember, oh man, right at the offering, your brother has something against you, what do you do? Leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. It's important to God. And if it's that important over a simple offering, how much more important is it over something as serious as moving your church membership? It's huge, people. It's huge. And some of you need to reconcile maybe with another pastor or another church leader or a whole church maybe or a member in a church because you've been fighting the wrong foe. That is still, you will jot, I, I, I don't think that that's even really a church that Jesus would consider a church. I've heard that excuse. Because they've gone woke, John. I know you're against going woke. They're all woke. They did me wrong. They're teaching wrong doctrine. Be careful. Be careful. You haven't obviously read the book of Revelation, chapter two and chapter three, the seven churches that, 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 that is, is being written to by the Holy Spirit through, through the apostle John. He lists seven churches. Some of them had amazingly false doctrine. Horrible, stupid stuff. Others had bad leadership, corrupt leadership. Some were lukewarm. He said, you just make me want to puke. But he still called them what? Church. Now he threatened them. Be careful. I'm going to come and remove your candlestick. You keep going down this road. In other words, you ain't going to be a church one day. But right now, I still call you my church. So that church in this area that you met at, you heard about, you gossip about, you better be careful. That's still the bride of Christ. That's still the bride of Christ. So you better figure out and get some things right and get yourself on blessing ground and quit shooting your brothers and sisters. Amen? Kind of quiet in here. We have a great on fire for Jesus and if you're new here, of course I'm biased, right? <laughs> but church here at Point Harbor, two weeks ago, 21 baptized, amen? amen? Today, 24 new members joining, amen? amen? But let me clue you, we ain't perfect. Ain't got perfect pastors, at least all the rest of them. <laughs> me neither. There is no such animal as a perfect church. And by the way, if you could find one, and then you're like, oh, a perfect church, and then you join, it immediately becomes imperfect. <laughs> so hear me, Point Harbor, hear me, new folks. You've got enough of an enemy from Satan without trying to fight your brothers and sisters, amen? amen. Folks who are really on your side. I, I, Sunday mornings, I pray for this church our pastors, our El Sembrador pastors, and other pastors in this area. I've got a pretty long list. And some of them I have details on, some of them I don't have many details. But some of them are in this area. Some of those churches and those pastors, I think, tried to steal and did steal some of our sheep. Some local pastors I pray for who I believe are starting to go woke. What do you pray for, John? That instead of going woke, they wake up to Satan's attack and temptation. That if they need to, they learn ministry ethics 
and not try to build their flock off of other flocks, that God would bless them, and I really mean that, and use them and guide them and correct them. And I always say, correct me too, Lord. Because, you know, I got my issues, right? I, I, like I hope he does and pray he does for me and all the pastors here at Point Harbor. But ultimately, here's, here's where we end up. We have to end up with God's word. And I love this, and I think about this and usually quote some of it when I'm praying for some of these pastors who sometimes I, I just want to grab and shake. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It's before his own master that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Who's the master he's talking about here? Yeah, Master Jesus. That other Christian that you're just, you know, having a tough time with and wanting to judge, thinking that they're doing wrong, and they might be, and you could judge righteously with God's word, but he's not your servant. No other pastor is my servant. Amen? Or yours. If you're in Point Harbor, then, you know, the pastors are, your pastor's here. It's not some pastor out there that you need to worry about. Amen? Let God, God says he's able to make them stand. Somebody should say amen. Amen. All right. But uh, so, application. Do I need to get things right with another pastor or another church or another Christian? I mean, let's, let's live the word of God, folks, instead of just reading it, hey? Let's live it. Righteously fight the right foe. And then finally, battle truth number three, battle scars enable bold stands. Battle scars enable bold stands. In verse 40, when they called the apostles, get it up here, when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them again. They'd already told them not to do this, not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. Then they left, verse 41, they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And then here's the end result. All right, so they didn't cry. Most of us be, I don't like this. They were rejoicing. Why? Not just that they got beat. They're not spiritual masochists, but they're rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. The name of who? Jesus. And then the end result is every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. In a way, their, their battle scars are like spiritual combat ribbons. You see a vet that has a bronze or a silver star, you want that vet on your team. They've had to stand up and fight. And although they were probably scared to death, they fought bravely and they fought well. Their ribbons are a testimony to that. Paul says, hey, I got some battle scars, boys. He says, from now on, this is Paul kind of having, he's like done. From now on, let let no one cause me trouble. Why? Because I bear on my body scars for the cause of Jesus. I bear on my body scars. Paul was beat up. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. Man, the guy probably looked horrible. If he'd come in here, you'd think, oh, man, that guy needs some, you know, EMT help, battle scars. These 12 guys had been, had been spiritual wimps, these apostles, just a couple months ago. And now they have the feeling of the Holy Spirit of God and they went and they stood and they spoke and they got the crap kicked out of them. And instead of whining and, and, and running, they're high-fiving each other. It's like, man, Peter, woo, you gotta see your lip, bro. That's gonna leave a mark. And James, man, you're missing your front teeth now. Maybe you can finally whistle. 
these guys weren't some weird, you know, spiritual masochist. They were just saying, hey, we're suffering now for the, for the name of Jesus. He was the only one who had blood and skin in the game up till now. He's been the only one who's bled for the new kingdom of God. But God sees us as worthy to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. Whoa. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. I hate to admit this, but when I first started coming, attending this church back in 1979, as a young sailor, they told me right off the, the bat, they said, you need to get a Bible when you come to church, boy. You know, I grew up in church, and I knew that, but I thought, you know, we had a sailor exception. But, so I, I, but, but I had to cross the ship's quarter deck and go down the brow on those Sunday mornings right in front of God and the officer of the deck and anybody else who was on watch. Them looking at me. So I got a Bible. Went to the Christian bookstore. I got this little zip-up, super small print Bible that I could fit in my back pocket and make it look like it was only a wallet because I was a sissy boy girly pants, just like some of you. Some of you big old boys. Man, you got lots of physical muscle mass, but itsy-bitsy spiritual muscles. Satan kicks sand in your face. You know what helped fix me? A fight. Not even my fight. I was the LPO of B Division, leading petty officer, and had a guy who was a third class. Wayne was his name, big dude. And he was always going out and getting drunk and coming in and starting a fight. Just what he did, how he rolled. And so... I had trusted Christ, you know, as my savior and, and all. And, and, you know, he got around. I was going to church and all that stuff. And, and he worked for me. The dude worked for me. Well, he comes down drunk one night and decides to get in a fight with guys, three, three guys playing cards it, 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 right there, you know, in the middle of engineering birthing. And, and I, I come in and there he is. He's fighting, but he's my dude, right? He works for me. So I, I came in, to, I grabbed him. I said, Baker, stop it. Cut it out. What you idiot? Stop it. And he turned to me, turned around. And instead of hitting me, I'd rather he'd hit me. He said, leave your hands off me, John Houston, you stupid Bible thumper. Why don't you go back and read your Bible? Whew, man, that cut. That cut. Shouldn't have, but it did. It cut to the quick, but I didn't know it at the time, but it actually, old Wayne actually helped me. Because now I don't have to worry about being called a Bible thumper anymore. It already happened and I lived. <laughs> so I went out and bought this Bible. A big old Thompson King James chain reference mule choking Bible. And I had no problem after that carrying it across the quarter deck, saluting the flag, and heading down to church. Bold stands come from battle scars. John, I'm not, I'm not so hot on getting beat up for Jesus, though. <laughs> I don't want to be called names, even. I don't want to be canceled. I don't want to be, have my butt handed to me. I get that. I do, man. I do. But when I'm a spiritual coward, that's when I'm really beaten down, don't you see? Some of you are spiritual cowards and you're beaten down. You're not, you're not being beat up. You're already beaten down. I'm beat down when I quit fighting. When I shut my mouth. When I obey man and ignore God. When I quit talking about the name of Jesus. You talk about beat up and beat down. 
But Jesus was beat up for you and me. Praise God, he didn't wimp out, amen? Some began to spit on him and blindfold him and to strike him with their fists, saying, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. He was beat up for me. He was beat up for you. And also, Jesus was beat down for you and for me. Thank God he did not cut and run, amen? He was beat down for us. They brought Jesus to a place called Golgotha, which is translated place of the skull. And there, then they crucified him. He was beat down. He allowed himself to beat down for you and for me. But hallelujah, (laughs) Jesus bounced back for you and me. And Satan in all of hell said he's down for the count. Yeah, he's down for the count. One, two, three days. And he, my Jesus, stood up, amen? Blessed be the God and Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Through the resurrection, we are born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I love that resurrection, that Greek word, anastasis, which means to stand up. That's what Jesus did for us. He was beat up, he was beat down, but he stood up through the resurrection. Application, Point Harbor, let's go and let's stand and let's speak and let's be somebody's Jesus. Be the truth, Point Harbor, while we have this freedom. Let's go where he sends, amen? Let's stand on his word and let's speak his gospel. And, 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 let's rejoice when we are counted worthy to suffer for his name. God, I pray that you would make it so. That you would make it so. God, forgive us when we're spiritual wimps. Lord, forgive those of us who, nobody knows we're a believer. We're scared of what they'll say. We're scared of getting canceled, especially nowadays. We're scared of the culture. We don't fear you, God. We fear our friends, our associates, our family. God, I pray that we will realize what this is about. We're in a war. We're going to take the hits because you took hits. But we, even though we'll get beat up, you have promised we will never, at least we don't have to be beat down because you say you're going to be right there with us. You're going to be right there with us. And when we call you into the fight, Lord God, Satan's got a butt whipping coming. So I pray you'd do that. Lord, I pray against the strongholds in this room right now. Strongholds of sin in people's lives and hearts. Strongholds of pride. Strongholds of the root of bitterness. Pray for folks who've got issues with other pastors' churches that they'll get them right. They'll they'll do it your way. They'll get it right. And they'll at least do everything they can to reconcile. Do an amazing work in our lives. And Lord, while we've got the freedom, let us do all we can to free some. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.